Actually, you literally hit it right at the downbeat of when it was starting to record. Ah, uh, that's great. Um, Harrison is sitting behind me, so I can't see him <laughs> for what he's doing. Correct. But that's okay. I'll be telling the story to Harrison behind me. Hi, welcome to Spooky Show. I am your host, Kate, and Harrison is here on the floor. Hey, Sp- you should look at how I'm laying. Okay, he's being very suggestive on the floor. <laughs> Uh, if you didn't know, Spooky Show is the number one spooky podcast in the world. Oh on my this, goodness. In this universe, on the planet. So I'm glad you made it. Me too. <laughs> I just want to say congratulations. Thank you, Harrison. Before we start, few announcements. Number one, rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts. And this is, not, this is a formal um, beg. I am begging you. Um, And then also we're going to be streaming again. And specifically, I will be streaming Thursday nights at 8 on twitch.tv slash mindsugar. That is mindsugar. It'll be linked in the description. So you can find me there. I'll be playing some like creepy psychological thriller games. And then I'll be streaming on my own channel from time to time which is twitch.tv slash queen. So go follow both of those. Yeah, follow because both. Because I stream once a week on that Twitch, and I have a personal Twitch I'll be starting up again soon. Yeah, it's going to be fun. You can get some more doses of us in a less like a spooky setting, I suppose. Although I will be playing probably terrifying games. And it's less formal. Less, you know? Way less formal. And we can chat in like real time. And also, but my Bubbling Queen Twitch, I haven't started streaming on it yet, so it literally is zero followers. So, you know, go ahead. You could be number one. You could or be. I might be number one. I need to go be number one. Uh, yeah, you should be. Number one in my life. Hey, number one in my heart. Oh. All right. So this week, um, my friend Ashley, she sent me this TikTok that I'm going to talk about today. Um, it's very recent. But so I thought I would do the research and cover it this week. Uh, the TikTok that she sent me was from a user called CrimeCast911. So this week's episode is about the horrific murder of Fahim Saleh. Do okay. you know about this, Harrison? I do not. Okay. So Fahim was born in Saudi Arabia on December 12th, 1986 to Bangladeshi parents. And his parents traveled pretty much all over the world for work. But they eventually settled in Rochester, New York. Uh huh. Fahim's father worked as a software consultant at IBM. And let's just say that tech savviness kind of ran in the family. Dang, I wish I had that when we were trying to set stuff up this weekend. <laughs> Me too. Shit. Fahim had two sisters a younger one named Reef and an older one named Ruby, who he was very close to. And at a young age, Fahim was already in that, like, business tech mindset. Like, in fifth grade, he started to sell candy from a local dollar store to other kids on the playground, which earned Fahim a profit of $150. Wow, for a kid, that's like a million dollars. I know, it's amazing. But, of course, that got, like, shut down by the principal. But yeah, sure. it's still pretty cool. Yeah, smart. In his teen years, Fahim taught himself how to program and code, and he made a ton of online projects. Like, he made a website for his family and a teenage social platform called WizTeen Incorporated. 
And that made him more than $400,000 before graduating high school. Oh, my God. I know. His sister said that this was just, like, who Fahim was and that he would sometimes just, like, get so lost in his work that he'd forget to just, like, eat. Like, he was very, very dedicated. So he graduated from Bentley University in Massachusetts in 2009 with a degree in computer science. And as he got older, his ambitions kind of got a little more, like, mature, I would say. Like, his main goal was to create something that, quote, adds legitimate value to humanity. So in 2010, he founded his own company called Tap Fury, which developed a popular app called Prank Dial. Do you know what that is? Uh, is it like a remote prank calling service? Yeah, pretty much. I looked into it because I was like, what? We know you love pranks. I love a good prank. And what is this? So basically, you go to this website and choose a prank call scenario. Like one on there was, why did you call my girlfriend? And then you could put in your friend's number and pick a number you want to send it from. And then it'll like send over like a minute of audio that you can listen to beforehand before you do the prank. That's like, you know, hey, dude, why'd you call my girlfriend? But I will say, of course, this, you know, prank dial was a little bit controversial because it was people said it was abused as a tool for harassment. Like one guy got arrested for wiretapping into his employees calls with prank dial. Wait, how? Um, you, uh, I listened to I something, yeah, I, I listened to okay. something that explained it all and it was very confusing and I sure. was like, I do not want to like bore my listeners with these details, but you can look into it. The, the, the guy who got arrested, I think his name was Kurt Eddy, okay. but I'll look it up. Yeah. So nevertheless, though, prank dial did really well and generated over $10 million in business and you know, Fahim was apparently a big prankster, like I said. Love that. And Fahim was making about $2 million alone through this business. Holy crap. And at what age? Uh, so this was after he graduated college. So. Okay, so probably like early 20s. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And then he went on to co-found the ride company called Patheo, which was popular in Bangladesh and Nepal in 2015. Cool. And it's basically like an Uber-type company where you can rent bikes, get a car, order food, you know basically uber it's a rideshare thing so of course of course of course this company was valued at 100 million so in 2018 fahim also helped found a nigerian kokoda gokoda sorry a nigerian ride hail startup for motorbike taxis basically motorcycles and that had millions of dollars in funding and gained a lot of traction in the country but the company faced a setback after authorities in lagos banned motorbikes in 2020 so they switched and like focused on like food delivery, um, but Fahim also invested in another. Wow, there's a lot of like weird side stories in this. I know that I'm there super are. Super interested in. Yeah, there are. So Fahim also invested in another ride sharing company called Picap Picap in Colombia. Uh huh. So he was like obviously incredibly successful. His his friends even called him the Elon Musk of the developing world. His net worth was estimated to be about $150 million. Wow. Yeah. So now, of course, wow, like... Wow, 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 With That's why I was asking if you knew this, because it's, he was a high-profile guy. So, like, of course, with any wealthy person, people may take advantage of you and your wealth. And this did happen to Fahim. He had a personal assistant who sold about $100,000 from him. But instead of calling the authorities or getting him arrested... Fahim told his personal assistant that they could work out a payment plan. 
Um, Whoa. Like, what a nice guy. Yeah, it just goes to show that Fahim was like really nice. Everyone around generous him. Generous understanding. I was just going to say, everyone around him described him as very generous. The personal assistant did get fired, but he was like, you know, we'll work something out. Just, yeah, right. Just pay me back. So, the night of July 13th, 2020, neighbors heard yelling coming from... Wow, this is very recent. Very recent, yes. The neighbors heard yelling coming from 33-year-old Fahim's $2.2 million apartment condo on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. His condo was located on the seventh floor, was 1,400 square feet, had two bedrooms with a private elevator that gave you, like, direct access to the unit. Like, the doors opened in his living room. Uh Uh-huh. So the neighbors contacted Fahim's sister, and she tried to contact him but couldn't get in touch. So the next day, July 14th at, like, 3.30 p.m., his cousin, being extremely worried at this point because nobody has heard from him at all, and... This was very out of character for Fahim to not, for, uh, Fahim to not be answering. So his, sis, his cousin entered his condo and found a horrific scene. Fahim's torso was just off the living room next to an electric chainsaw that was still plugged in. Oh, my God. And his head and limbs were in garbage bags throughout the apartment. Holy shit. What the hell? Yeah. Was this like a business thing that went wrong or something like that? Or a money thing? Like, what What the hell? Random act of violence? Now I'm, like, whoa. Also, not even just, like... That is so up, like, like, a horrific violence. Like, yeah, like a horror movie murder. Like, yes. to be in different pieces and different bags. That sounds like mob stuff. Yeah, you know? it does. It reminds me of um, the really horrible story from New York of the young teenager guy who i believe got killed as part of a gang initiation where they chopped Mm -hmm. him up in front of a bodega yeah oh shit equally just terrible yeah equally gruesome to add that to say and and deliberate and and to have your cousin find you like i feel yeah this poor family that's horrible yeah so Fahim's neighbors say that his cousin just was wailing, like his head's gone and screaming about his limbs as well. And so police came and an investigation was done that began um, late Tuesday night, the 14th, and carried into Wednesday morning. So they searched the whole apartment for evidence. They found the murder weapon and they found a taser. Additionally, they found a Makita saw with two batteries, two gloves, scissors, and various cleaning supplies around the apartment. But the one key piece of evidence that they found was surveillance footage from the building. Uh-huh. So in that footage, it shows Fahim entering the elevator that gives him direct access to his unit at 1.45 p.m. after his three-mile run. He enters the elevator from the lobby, and then a man enters right behind him. And investigators described him as, like, a well-dressed man wearing a three-piece suit, a black face mask, which kind of wasn't that weird because we're in COVID times. Sure. Uh, black gloves and carrying a black duffel bag. And it seemed like this person following Fahim was, like, pretending to go to another floor. Like, he pressed another floor button. But instead, when, like, Fahim's floor opened, the doors opened to Fahim's apartment, the guy in the elevator attacked him out of nowhere. Oh, my God. So the killer then. And it was right in his house, too. That's so yeah. scary. Oh, like my he gets God. off the elevators, probably like have a good one and then gets attacked, which is in my head. That's kind of dangerous in an apartment building because like. Yep. But it's then, also yeah, like anyone can just get off and follow ultra, you into but your. That, 
Yeah. Into your living room, right? Yeah. I mean, but it usually only happens in like ultra, ultra wealthy yeah. buildings. So that's even the case, you know? Right. So the killer then went back to Fahim's condo the very next day on Tuesday and started the dismemberment and cleanup of the scene. Uh-huh. But when Fahim's cousin arrived at 3.30 p.m. that day and was buzzing to get into his apartment, this, the theory is this probably startled the killer, so they left everything they were doing and escaped out the back, and that's why the scene looked, like, unfinished, like things were everywhere, the, and the saw was still plugged in. So an autopsy was done that said Fahim died from multiple stab wounds, about five, to the neck and torso, and the case was immediately classified as a homicide, of course. The surveillance footage also clearly shows the attack and the struggle between the killer and Fahim when the elevator stopped at Fahim's apartment. Like, you can clearly see that the killer tased Fahim on the footage. So officials believe that the killer used that taser to immobilize Fahim and then stabbed him. Security footage also shows the killer going back into the elevator after the murder, holding a vacuum and vacuuming the elevator to clean up any evidence in there. And... I saw something that said, like, this seems like very American Psycho. Yeah. Have you seen that movie? Yeah, I sure have. Where he's, like, super meticulous, the black gloves, the duffel bag, like, high profile. Yeah. So, in fact, investigators thought at first that this was a professional hit because it was done so precisely. Well, that's why I was asking because it's business stuff. Yeah, like, the crime and the cleanup looked like a professional job. and And like you said, because he was high profile. And, you know, there were some issues with this prank dial app and stuff, so it could have been a hit. But as investigators continue to gather evidence, they soon identify a suspect, 21-year-old Tyrese Haspel. So Tyrese is that personal assistant who stole money from Fahim. Oh, my God. I actually literally did not see that coming. I might be very silly for not having seen that coming because it was an included detail, but, like... Holy shit. Right. I thought that was just a character personality thing that you were going to add on. Wow. Yep. It was the personal assistant. So. What a fucking asshole. What a What a dick. Like, that is so. This man extended charity to you. I know. I know. Fuck you. So at the crime scene, police found anti-felon identification cards, which are released when a stun gun is used. And the serial uh-huh. numbers on those cards said that the person who used the taser belonged to Tyrese. Tyrese was from Long Island and loved computer science and business, just like Fahim. Like, he was an innovator, too. In high school, he won awards for web design and started working with Fahim and his company when he was only 16. He enrolled in Hofstra University and still continued to work for Fahim while he was in college. And as Fahim's personal assistant, he did things like walk Fahim's dog and, of course, manage finances. So we obviously have a motive here because although Tyrese did agree to broker that deal to pay Fahim back, apparently he later backed out of it and was like, no, I'm not going to pay you anymore. Uh huh. So with this information, police looked into Tyrese's actions over the days following the murder. And police found out that Tyrese used his credit card to purchase an Uber to Home Depot where he picked up cleaning supplies, presumably to cr- clean up the crime scene, and an electric saw. He also used Uber to travel back and forth to Fahim's apartment multiple times on the day of the murder and the morning after. So after this discovery, Tyrese was named an official suspect. They tried to find Tyrese, but he wasn't at his apartment. 
and instead they found him out of storage. They found um, a storage unit he had owned, and in it there were Duraframe, Duraflame logs, lighter fluid, Tiki torch fuel, WD-40, and matches. So perhaps he was planning on burning Fahim's remains. Police tracked his movements and found that after fleeing from Fahim's apartment, after his cousin arrived, Tyrese rented um, an Airbnb less than a mile away. And that Wednesday night, after he spent the morning dismembering Fahim, he was seen leaving that Airbnb to pick up two large Mylar balloons with the number 22, because apparently it was his girlfriend's 22nd birthday that day. Whoa. He is then seen on CCTV leaving his girlfriend's birthday dinner with her, with her and her, the leftovers in hand. And with, that is so psycho. I know. And also on that the CCTV, so you cannot psycho. even notice, like, there's nothing wrong. It looks totally normal. Oh, my God. That is truly so psycho. Yeah. So on, with all this information, police gathered enough warrants to officially arrest Tyrese Haspel for murdering Fahim Saleh. At least a dozen cops arrived to the Airbnb, and apparently he, uh, Tyrese tried to run with, when authorities got there. But Friday, July 17th, 2020, Tyrese was arrested. And according to officials, he was charged with second-degree murder, and the judge ordered him to be held without bail. And for those who knew Tyrese, this arrest was, like, a big surprise. Tyrese's girlfriend, like, swears he's innocent. Tyrese's lawyers, as he goes on trial, are Sam Roberts and Neville Mitchell, and his defense team has entered a plea of not guilty. They say that they want the public to keep an open mind and that the case is far more complex than investigators have made it seem, and there is far more to the narrative. Okay, well then, I'm sorry. I'm so, I was doing jokes earlier when I was calling this person a psycho. Please, nobody sue me. I was doing jokes. Just telling jokes. I'm here to do the jokes. Kate, I'm the comic relief of this podcast, right? Yes. Okay, there you go. Like, Keep, I mean, I'm keeping an extremely open mind. I just want everybody to know. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, the evidence is pretty clear. Let's just let the evidence speak for itself. That's what I got to say. Yeah, there you go. That's what I'm doing, too. Everything yes. else that I said was just little comedies. So Tyrese's defense say they intend to contest all of the charges. As the trial and case have gone underway, the charges against Tyrese just got worse. Like, they increased to first and second degree murder, second degree grand larceny, second degree burglary, concealment of a human corpse, and tampering with evidence. Wowza. The grand larceny counts are supposedly from uh, Fahim, uh, sorry, from Tyrese stealing hundreds and thousands of dollars from Fahim through PayPal transactions. And according to the indictment, Tyrese murdered Fahim to, to prevent him from ever testifying against him in court about the stolen money. So thus far, Tyrese has only had one court session where he entered his not guilty plea. And as of now, I believe his case is still pending, but he's still pleading not guilty. The family, of course, is really struggling. Like, because of COVID, they had to identify his body through pictures. They had to try to get his body back together for the funeral, like, just absolutely terrible. His sister wrote a whole article describing their grief and their whole experience. And Fahim's companies tweeted out about, like, what a great person Fahim was and the incredible impacts he had on employees. So I hope that, you know, his family can get closure and get answers soon. Um, Me too. Yeah. Fahim had no will, spouse, or children, so under law, his money is going to his parents. 
and that's the story of Fahim Saleh. One that's that... awful. I really hope that we very soon get to do an update and justice yes. uh, episode on this. I hope so too. I don't believe there. Like I searched, and the last I saw was that you know it's still pending, and he's still pleading not guilty. But I hope that. We get answers soon. We will update you. We will be here to update you when that happens. Yeah, and I'm also just surprised that you didn't hear about this. I didn't hear about this until TikTok when it happened so recent. And this guy was, like, very high profile. So, um, yeah, I hope if you didn't know about it, like, I hope that you pay attention to this case now because there's still a lot of uh, developments to be had. Correct. And we, like Harrison said, we'll keep you updated on any updates. So thank you to my friend Ashley who sent this to me. And to, thank you to TikTok. To TikTok. We love TikTok over we here. We love the talk. Crimecast911. Shout out. Thank you for bringing this to light for other people who may not know it as well. And hopefully we can get the family justice. I will do some research to see if there's any way that we can help and link it in the show notes. And with that being said... That is all we have today. Sorry if it was kind of short. No, it's about a regular. It's like um um, um it's on the shorter end, but it's yeah. not it's not a significantly shorter episode than anything you usually do, Kate. Well, that's good. I we just have had been having like a lot of internet issues this well, week. We are so. relaunching Mind Sugar. It was yeah. a busy ass week. Busy so. week, but we don't miss a week on Spooky Show because if um, we do, I get very upset. <laughs> no, we will not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you for listening. Rate and review. Have the best week of your entire life. Correct. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. My research was done thanks to Lauren Delval, Elizabeth Rosner, Priscilla DeGregory, Daniel Cassidy, and Daniel E. Slotnick.